Well, hello there, and welcome to Theology Doesn't Suck. You can uh, abbreviate that as TDS, which also stands for Today Don't Swear. Sin. Oh, oh, I was going to say sin. Today don't sin, yeah. Or swear, I mean, because swearing is one of the seven mortal sins, right, Josh? Is it? Oh, um, shoot, then I'm, yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah, I'm in done. trouble. <laughs> so, uh, so for those of you who may not know, my name is Andy Herman, and uh, I am one half of the, the the hosting team here at Theology Doesn't Suck. That other voice you heard was my, my wonderful friend, Josh Patterson. Hooray, friend. Hooray. Um, pray for his soul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like the listeners already do that. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, the and then your, the listeners who are more oriented on your side probably pray that I wouldn't be a bigot anymore. So it balances out. <laughs> a bigot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh. uh, we're very excited to have you here today on Theology Doesn't Suck. Uh, hopefully you will enjoy this episode because I think it's going to be a fun one. But first, Agreed. before we dive in, Josh, what's going on? What's shaking? What's new? Uh, not too much. As always, I mean, I'm keeping up with the Caps game. Actually, literally as you are entering the episode, John Carlson scored a goal. So the Caps are now up 3-1 to one against the Hurricanes. Uh, and Ovechkin scored his 49th goal, so that's a plus. Has he had a 50-goal season yet, or would this be his first? Ovechkin? Yeah. This would be his eighth. Wow. And it would put him up with Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy is like, you know, which is kind of a wow. big deal. I mean, if you think Wayne Gretzky's good at hockey, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Josh, do you think that Ovechkin is a will go down as a better player than Crosby oh. in history? So with with this debate, I always feel like like it's it's like comparing apples and oranges because I think Crosby and Ovechkin are such different players. Hmm. I think as an as a overall like like. Crosby's very much a playmaker. I think he's probably a better yeah. skater than Ovechkin. Uh, he's faster than Ovechkin is. He um, he has like he, he has silky mitts. If you know, for our listeners to know what that he's means, he's got those silky mitts. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but Ovechkin, I think, is like one of the purest goal scorers. Okay. Of like ever, period. So okay, I think that's it's fair. it's a hard comparison to make. Like I'm not one to just bash Crosby because I know a lot of people do that. Even though yeah. I don't like him, I respect him. He's um, like the Tom Brady of the NHL. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> but uh, I think him and him and Ovechkin. It's always fun to watch them play together in like the All Star game. Yeah. And they love it, man. They feed off each other. Like they. Yeah. They totally play into the rivalry. I think it's definitely like. A, like a, they have a very good professional respect for each other, but also watch out, they're gonna, you know, so, give it their all during games. So, do you think they secretly like each other, or do you think they hate each other with like a begrudging respect? I think they have a, a professional hatred for each other. <laughs> professional hatred. I think that there's such right. a great mutual respect between the two, which you can see how they interact with each other off the ice. Um, yeah. But I think once, you know, once the puck drops, so to speak, like, you know, it's no holds barred. Yeah. I mean, I think to some degree, although, I mean, it's more intense with rivalries like that, of course, to some degree, I think that's generally how the whole hockey community is like. Sure. Respect and like each other off the ice. But when you're on the ice, I'm going to punch you if you make <laughs> me mad. Um, <laughs> well, dude, Drew well, Doughty's kind of been like, of the LA Kings, the defender, you know him? Oh, He's been I going saw, like off the rails recently, like saying... 
Brett Burns sucks, and uh, I know I Matthew saw that Chuck from the the where's it the Flames like he's awful. No one respects him. Like yeah, I know, dude. He's been trashing people. <laughs> like which <hey>. is <laughs> that's somewhat rare in the hockey community. I mean, that's not a super common thing to see. So yeah, it's weird. It's just he's I, he's upset because he's all the way down there in the basement. You know. What I want to see is, <laughs> yeah, exactly, because the Kings are terrible. Yep. Um, but what I want to see is Brent Burns and Drew Doughty fight. Ooh, I I'd pick Burnsy, man. That's who. I, that's my money would be on Burns too. Um, Ch- AKA Chewbacca. Yeah, exactly. But mostly because of his beard. His theology is mm. probably pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, just much better of his than beard. mine. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, one of the greatest theological questions to ever be asked is, um, is is the beard the cause of good theology, or is good theology the cause of the beard? Ah. One of the puzzlers, really. Sure, yeah, So, which is similar to the, is works a result of salvation, or exactly. is salvation a yeah. result of works? I got you. Kind of. Kind of a parallel to that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> some, you know, there are some great theologians have said uh, beards without theology are dead. Ah, nice. Yeah, I like it. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, speaking of beards, uh, this episode we are going to be talking about a movie which actually featured a surprising, like, did not feature that many good beards. Surprisingly. That's true. Despite its subject matter, I can't even think of one really good beard in this movie, actually, now that I think about it. No, some pretty I mean, typical, like, five o'clock shadow yeah, kind of stuff Yeah, there were some guys on. with, like, short facial hair, but there was no one with, like, just a really nice beard. No. Um, I was actually, beca- I was kind of bummed. I always pictured Michael Horton as having, like, a nice beard. Oh, dude, no. He's, like, yeah, not at all. Yeah, I was very disappointed when I saw what he looked like. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's hurtful. No, that I, is... <laughs> just because he didn't have a crazy beard. Oh, that's wow. Don't take okay. that out of context. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, thankfully, Michael Horton will probably never hear that, so you're that's okay. That's true. I, and, um, which is a bummer, because I actually have a lot of respect for the dude. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm actually uh, on my own. I'm I'm working through his pilgrim theology again. Oh, cool. Uh which, for those of you who may not know, Pilgrim Theology is, like, Michael Horton's mid-sized systematic <laughs> theology. Like, he has his, like, big, super, like, ultra-academic one, which is called, like, I don't even remember what that one's called. Pilgrim is in the name of that one, too, but I can't remember what it's called. Hmm. Then he has a mid-sized one that I want to say is, like, 400-something pages. And yeah. it's, like, written in slightly more popular-level language called Pilgrim Theology. And then he has his, like ultra condensed like 150 pager called core christianity hmm. um but that book pilgrim theology is what brought josh and i together true story because uh our our good friend pastor pete uh offered to work through a theology book with us and we decided to go through that one together and as i always like to remind everyone <laughs> as we were working through that book with josh was when he discovered he was not reformed yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um but you guys were very graceful so i appreciate it was still it. fun yeah you, you injected some life into the conversation otherwise it would have just been me and pete agreeing yeah like oh yeah um, this chapter is great anyway this chapter is correct yes moving <laughs> on <laughs> um anyway so that's a good book i highly recommend it pilgrim theology but back to my segue we kind of got derailed there that's true um, i fought the 
the movie that we're going to be talking about that surprisingly did not feature really any amazing beards was the movie American Gospel. So uh, that's a, a movie that came out, I want to say, like a month or two ago now. Yeah, super recently. It's pretty recent. And uh, for once, we're up to date with like current events. It's crazy. Boom. Uh, well, semi-up to date. I mean, we're not like breaking the story, but... To be fair, we've uh, talked about doing this episode for a while. It's true, we have. It we was just, new you know, when we thought of the idea. We've just had such a <laughs> dazzling lineup of guests to get out. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, <laughs> but So we're talking about American Gospel, which is a movie um, that basically it kind of addresses some other things on the side, but its main, uh, its main focus is contrasting the biblical gospel with the prosperity gospel Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and pointing out the issues with the prosperity gospel or or the health and wealth gospel, uh, which, and they call it American gospel because they're saying even in, I think some of the less extreme instances of like prosperity preachers, like the American kind of attractional vision of church has taken on a soft kind of prosperity tone where it's about like, uh, like, knowing god or like being right with god so that you can have a better life or have a better marriage or be healed or have money or like right. god you know, is the means it, to an end rather than right, god being it, the end in itself exactly and so it can take extreme forms like you know guys like benny hinn or kenneth copeland who are like god's god wants to heal you if you just have faith or god wants to give you a ton of money if you just have faith um or softer forms like uh like just regular attractional evangelical churches who spend their time preaching about like five steps to a better marriage or, you know, (laughs) God's plan for your finances and things like that. Like that's a soft form of the prosperity gospel. If you think about it. Yeah, it's true. I've actually, Um, I kind of came to the revel, the revelation too that. I don't know. That might be too strong of a word realization. There we go. There you go. Uh, (laughs) I was getting hung up realization (laughs) that the church I, I previously worked in, uh, borderlined on some of this stuff and actually yeah. watching this movie again for a second time actually kind of like it made me realize that some of the reasons that like I was kind of given pause to what was being taught or going on at the church and I didn't really have words for it now I do and I'm like oh that's why that made me so uncomfortable it makes sense yeah yeah so um I guess just we kind of just did it but to go a little more in depth I think it'd be good for us to just give an overview of uh, like the prosperity gospel as this movie defines it. Sure. So maybe, I don't know if you want to go first, Josh, but just what, based on what this movie was saying, how are they defining the prosperity gospel? Yeah, so the prosperity gospel um, comes out of the word of faith movement, or that's another name for it, or also you've yeah. probably heard it called the the health and wealth gospel. Mm-hmm. And so basically it's, it's this idea that, Christians, um, because we are Christians, should uh, be experiencing health, wealth, and prosperity in in their life. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, be again because they are Christians, and that's kind of the overall message of it. Um, and also, yeah, and it's, yeah, go for it. Oh, I was just gonna say that the key thing is like if you have faith, right. then like God, like God wants to heal you. He wants to give you money. He wants to do all this for you. But like. The thing that's the thing that like unlocks what God wants to do for you is your faith. Like exactly. you just have to have enough faith. Right. And so what happens yeah. then is when, you know, if if you know, people who buy into this kind of theology, if you're not getting all the financial blessings, it's because you don't have enough faith. If your kid dies yeah. uh, you know, from cancer and you were praying, it's because you didn't have enough faith for them to be healed. 
So it puts yeah. all the pressure also back on the the individual rather than, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, I kind of brought this up a minute ago, but I think one of, like, the shocking realizations is that even in churches, like, evangelical, attractional churches that on paper have orthodox theology a lot of times, um, you can get, like, the prosperity gospel light, where it's like, if you just have faith and follow God's, like, plan for your marriage, you know, you're going to have a great marriage. Like, right. if you if you just have faith and follow God's plan for your finances, like, and tithe, he's going to bless you. Like, you'll be shocked at how many, <laughs> like, supposedly, like, orthodox evangelical churches, you'll hear pastors say, like, you know, like, God promises to bless you if you tithe. Like, oh, dude. It's all the time. We literally, <laughs> all right, and by no extent am I joking, that was the journeys. Oh, damn it. I said their name again. Crap. That was the church I used to work at. It, it's probably yeah, forget- not even a secret anymore. Yeah, that probably was this, not. That was this church's, like, central message always, man. Yeah. Like, they never got off of the give to us, and they always, every week, there was a new once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you to give to this thing. Like, consistently, yeah. bro. And, like, I Which remember- Which I do think- Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Sorry. I remember, too, with, like, kind of what- with the whole faith thing- like, I had this lady, man. She was one of my volunteers uh, when I oversaw the kids' ministry. Awesome, awesome lady. I, I Like, I had the best conversations with her. She was always making me laugh. But she would ask me, she was like, you know, Pastor Josh, I have this problem. Like, I, you know, they teach this thing about, like, if I tithe and I have faith, then God's going to bless me abundantly. But, like, I do my tithing. I go over and above and, like, I can't pay my bills and blah, blah, blah. Like, what am I doing wrong? Because they would teach yeah. all these, like, here's four steps of financial success yeah. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, holy crap. So, like, I have a firsthand experience with that exact example that you yeah. brought up. And, and the thing is, like, I believe in giving to the local church. Yeah, I'm not sure. against that. For sure. I don't, I don't think that the New Testament supports – a. I don't think that even the Old Testament supports a principle of giving 10%, but also like that that's the mark you have to hit. But I do believe in giving to local church, but it can turn into this like terrible trap and, and the danger of the prosperity gospel, whether it's in like the big, like obvious settings or in the more like implanted, hard to notice settings, um, is that it basically puts it all on the believer because it's another right. form of work salvation. It's like, if you have faith, if you just do what God wants you to do good enough, uh, then like, then you'll be blessed. Right. And so, (laughs) and they pointed out too, like one thing I thought was so interesting was they said the logical conclusion of that kind of teaching is one of two things. It's either going to lead to pride or despair. Yeah. Pride because you know, wow, look at me. My marriage is so great. It's all because I did these great things. I'm so wealthy. It's all because I'm so good or despair. I've done all the things, but I must not be doing it well enough. Yeah, like, I must not be doing it right. I, like, Correct. I, and it's really interesting. They shared a quote from Joel Osteen. I don't, like, have the quote memorized <laughs> or anything. They shared a lot of stuff from Joel Osteen. But, uh, but one of the things they shared from him that was just, like, so shocking. Like, I didn't even realize that Joel Osteen could get to this level yeah. of, like, ridiculousness. Um, was There was a quote where he said something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of like, 
if like if you want something from God, like if you if you're sick or if you need money, like if you want God to give you something, remind him of like all oh, yeah. the good stuff you've done. I wrote like, that be like, down. <laughs> it's fr- it's so ridiculous. Like, yeah, God, do you have it in front of you? It's so it's paraphrased again, but basically what he was saying is like when you're going through difficult times in life, remind God of like all the things you've done. Like I take yeah. my family to church every Sunday, I give my ten percent, I give over and beyond. Uh. I lead a Bible study. That way God <laughs> like, will remember the good things that you've done yeah. and he'll unleash his blessings on you. And he and he even said, like, remind God of, like, the good things that others around you have done, too. Like, just remind God of how good you are and how good everyone around you is. And, like, then he'll give you a blessing. Yeah. It's just, like, it's – and it, the crazy thing is, like, a lot of people turn to this theology initially because it makes you feel good. Like, it sure, seems like it's sure. – it seems like it's affirming you and making you – uh, elevating you and making you feel so good about yourself, but it ultimately places a crushing burden on people. Oh goodness, that, yes. that you can't possibly bear because even though it's 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 really just the law, like it's work <laughs> salvation, God's law masking itself in like positivity. Sure. sure. <laughs> and so so at the end of the day you're still not gonna be able to live up to it. <laughs> right. And then also too what blows my mind about it is these people are constantly, especially some of the, I mean, the bigger name ones, you see like uh, Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn. They're always doing this like, oh, like if you'll sow $1,000 tonight, then God's going to bless you. And then, so oh, what's happening is these people are being given this unfair weight that we all know they're not capable of bearing. I can't bear it. You can't bear it. Nobody can bear it. That's what Jesus did for us. Um, yeah. But, and then they just keep throwing money at these people because they think, that that's what they're supposed to do. And then these people are getting rich off yeah. of lying to people and, and putting these burdens on them that they can't themselves bear. I kind of, you know, I just thought of like, it might be kind of fun someday to go up to a prosperity teacher and and just be like, listen, God told me that if you sow a million dollars right now, <laughs> like he's going to bless you beyond belief. All you have to do is give me a million dollars right now. It might work. We can try it. <laughs> Dude, you know, that's not that's like nothing to them anyway. Dude, but something, I mean Oh, go ahead. It, well, this ahead. is this is a little bit I mean, it's on it's on topic, but two, also something and this is going to sound extremely arrogant and I don't mean it that way, but I almost feel like bad sometimes because I mean, do you think like cuz I have a hard time believing that these every single prosperity teacher, every everybody is in it you know, for the money and they're just teaching something they need to be complete crap. I feel like there have to be people propagating this stuff and teaching it that actually believe it to be true. And like, I, I have pity on them, not in like a patronizing sense, but like, I feel bad for them. Like, yeah, does that make sense? No, absolutely. I think, I think that they're deceived Yeah, and in a really terrible way. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's one or the other. I, I I think that, I mean, the Bible talks about many times how God will give people over to their sin. Absolutely. And, and that's so my I understanding think, of God's wrath. <laughs> right. And so I think that's one manifestation of God's wrath sure. for sure. And so I think, you know, when you have people like that, I think there may, I mean, I'm not saying for every individual person, this is exactly how it happened, obviously, but you can have someone who has a love of money and a love of fame and, you know, wants to glorify themselves and... God gives them over to that. And so they genuinely believe what they're doing is true or whatever, but it's because God's given them over to their sin. It's not because, you know, it's not because they're not sinning while they're doing it. Right, right, right. And the crazy thing, if you think about it, I mean, one of the things that Jesus rebukes 
the religious elite of his day for in the New Testament is for placing crushing burdens on people and yeah. on, especially on the <laughs> widows and the poor. Right. Uh, and I feel like, you know, this is something very similar. And it, like you said, it is, it's easy to want to just victory lit. I mean, for me, at least it's easy to want a victory lap and just like hate on the prosperity preachers and like condemn them, which it is good to condemn what they're doing, but sure, false teaching. But I also, we need to, we should have, like you said, pity on them and uh, pray for them even because I think that there's going to be severe, well, and maybe you disagree, I don't know, but I think there's going to be severe judgment for what they're doing. Right on. Uh, I think that they're, like, God will not take that lightly the way that they exploit people. Right on. I think that's fair. And I mean, maybe, like, I mean, I know for sure that the way we would talk about what that looks like would be different, but I don't think you're wrong. Um, yeah, we just might disagree on what that judgment looks like, I right, guess. <laughs> right, or what that what that means or how that plays out. But yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Um, um, so we can come back to this, actually. But just to, to kind of come full circle and give a bigger picture of what the movie was talking about, the other side of what this movie talked about, it talked a lot about the the prosperity gospel, but it was contrasting it with the biblical gospel. So, sure. Um, I guess I just would love for us to – we should also, I think, kind of just summarize – According to this movie, and if you, I don't know if you'd have any disagreements or anything, but um, as we can talk about disagreements after maybe, but according to this movie, what is the biblical gospel? Sure. Uh, well, do you want me to go for it then? Sure, you go first, and then if I disagree, I'll, Sweet. Well, I'll chime in. The biblical gospel is that if you sow a million dollars to Benny Hinn, that he, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> uh, basically, the biblical gospel is that... Um, that all of us, every man has, every man, woman, whatever, has um, a sinful nature. All of us, nobody is mm-hmm. good, basically. That's the idea. Yeah. And the problem is that we have, a, we have a holy God who is holy and who is just, and that um, we are no longer able to relate to that God. And actually, there are punishments for our sinfulness, uh, which results in death. And so God, um, knowing that we can't you know, bear the weight of these things on our own, um, you know, took on flesh, became Jesus and, and bore the consequences of our sin for us so mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we don't have to. So Jesus, uh, took the penalty of our sin, which is death. He took on the full wrath of God on the cross. Uh, God's wrath was exhausted, uh, on, in Christ Jesus, uh, or on Christ Jesus. Um, and because of that, if we have faith and, and trust in Jesus, then, uh, you know, we can be uh, transformed and regenerated um, and become followers of, of Jesus. Did, is that fair? Yeah, I think I think you, you pretty much got it. So, yeah, the, the idea that we're all, by nature, sinners and under God's righteous wrath, under his righteous judgment, and that Christ came and lived a perfect life and died for our sin, and so that anyone who has faith in him, uh, their sins are forgiven and they're given his righteousness. Yeah. Um, it's imputed. Is, That's the yeah, big word, so, right? So we're imputed. There you go. So we're justified, <laughs> meaning that in God's sight, we are perfectly righteous. And following that is sanctification, mm-hmm. um, which is the how, how the Spirit works in us and transforms us to be more like Christ. But one of the big important things that this movie points out, which I, I, I agree with this movie's presentation of the gospel 100%. So what one of the things they point out is... Um, that sanctification, the good works that follow are 
the fruit, not the root, as they put right, it. You know, exactly. like, it's it's a result of being saved, not a cause of salvation or a condition of salvation. Right. Um, and one of the, one of the other things I think that's good to mention that they really emphasized in this movie, which I appreciated, was the five solas. <laughs> there you go. They went over that yeah, a couple the times. So, they did. Which are another helpful way of thinking about the gospel. So uh, they talked about the five souls of the Reformation, which are um, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, uh, in Christ alone, so faith in Christ alone, uh, according to scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. And so I think those five souls present a, another great way of thinking of the gospel. I mean, it's grace alone, which means it's totally God's initiative and totally his work. Uh, and then faith alone in Christ alone. So it's just faith, no works, and the faith is in Christ and in no one and nothing else. Um, and then in there, kind of connected to that, we have, we try, according to the authority of Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. So Sure. Um, and that last bit is important, too, to the glory of God alone, because uh, one of the things they emphasize in this movie is that the gospel ultimately isn't even about us. Right, right. <laughs> it's about it's about God and his glory in what he's doing, not as kind of the American gospel would have it about, like, God being our partner to help make our lives better. Yeah, they, um, I think in the movie, Matt Chandler, who actually, if you had to guess, maybe you, you might have guessed this if I asked you, but Matt Chandler is actually my favorite person that appeared in that film. Okay. Uh, I like Matt Chandler a lot, actually. Um, but he talked about how, like, we have this, this complex where man, we make man the champion and not God. So we take all the biblical (laughs) stories and we paint ourselves. Like, I think the one he was using is as like David or as Daniel. Yeah. He's like, you're not Daniel. You're not David. Um, yeah, and like God, God is the champion of the gospel. God is the champion of the Bible, not you. Yeah. So yeah. So the gospel isn't about like God coming alongside you. I mean, the big contrast I think is another thing that prosperity preachers really avoid is talking about sin. Yeah. They don't. They don't like that. They want to make positive declarations, and and a lot of them even will say that we are the same in our being as Jesus, which is mm-hmm. super, super heretical. Yeah, that, I think you would agree, right? That oh, that's dude. just ridiculous. Yeah, that well, that blew me away, man. Like that that idea that we are, I, I didn't know this until watching this film, but that yeah. idea that we are all little G gods. Yeah. That's like some, that's that blew my mind. And then also like out of that came that weird understanding. Also, I mean, a blatant heresy, um, and I'm, I'm don't I don't typically throw that word around uh, because I think it gets used too much. But if I Josh think, says heresy, this is serious. <laughs> Listen, up. And I'm not talking about myself. Uh, but the bit where he was talking about how they they break down the Trinity and say each member of the Trinity is in itself a Trinity. So which like, is so weird. There's like, nine gods. That's where like, where does that what? even come from? Yeah, that's a blatant heresy. <laughs> like yeah, that blew that's my mind. That's just ridiculous. And but yeah, so little G so, gods, and and that's where it comes from is that they believe like in a, a, a um, I forget what they called it, like a trifecta or something, where that every person is soul, body, and spirit. Like we are yeah. a spirit, we it's, have a soul, and we live in a body, and that spirit puts us on the same level as God because we're of the same essence. It's actually really similar to the very early Gnostic heresy in the Christian Church too, which is. The idea, kind of that, uh, that all, all people are like shards of spirit, basically. Like we all have a a, a a spirit existence, and then we're like trapped in the body, which is kind of like the fleshly, like base, just evil part of us. And so 
we all have a spirit though which is like part of the divine right and so like our goal is to be rejoined to the divine or whatever i mean it's not exactly the same but it has that same kind of anthropology yeah 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 that we have this spirit which is like which is divine and so then then they put us on the level of jesus which is really weird like kenneth copeland there was that quote from him in there saying like you have the same spiritual dna as jesus and he even said there was like a recording of him saying that he had a conversation with god right uh, and he did quote, air quotes unquote. yeah i did air quotes you can't <laughs> see that but my tone conveyed it i think i think so um but he had he, he was having a conversation with god quote unquote where god told him uh that he was the same as jesus and that if he had known the word of god as well as jesus he could have done exactly what jesus did. yeah he could have fulfilled the things that he, jesus did. <laughs> he could he essentially could have been jesus right like which is just and he called jesus a reborn man which is ridiculous because if jesus needed to be reborn he wouldn't have been perfect right which is also to, heresy yeah so <laughs> jesus needed himself to there. save himself to be yeah. reborn so so the prosperity gospel gets it wrong in a lot of ways there and so because of that though they don't want to talk about sin or about you know the depravity of man even even if we might disagree on some of the finer points of that josh i think you would agree you would agree at least that man has a sinful nature in some way yeah um and so they they avoid that altogether whereas in the biblical gospel i mean that's unavoidable right yeah and i think too ultimately what it seems what it seems to me that like the big issue that this whole thing maybe boils down to is that that the prosperity gospel is elevating the gifts over the giver yeah which what that does is it it just makes god no different than like a genie in a bottle right and it's i mean it's just idolatry yeah and making god in our own image which there was even there was even literally a clip which I had seen before of a woman at Bethel Church literally saying she thinks of the Holy Spirit like a genie. Yeah, that was <laughs> which <laughs> that did not help her case. That actually no, I super duper man. I've been really I've been pushing Marty to watch this film because he's a he loves Bethel and I kind of want to get his perspective on it. But yeah, that was Brian Johnson yeah. who for those of you who don't know he's the head pastor of Bethel. That was his. That was his- daughter-in-law or something like that sister-in-law some kind of in-law yeah but she yeah she was saying and i think to her credit i think what she was saying was taken out of context a little bit but she did say that she looks at the genie or as the holy spirit similar to the genie in aladdin yeah i think more so she was getting at the personal side of that like if i went on i actually looked it up and listened to her but also it's still i mean not it's a good not, thing to it's say. It's not great, yeah. And and I one of the things that stuck out to me too, I mean, of of all the people featured in that film, I think Bill Johnson of Bethel. Bill and Johnson, Brian's and, son, I'm sorry. And uh Stephen Furtick. Oh goodness. The those two guys are probably the most accepted amongst like mainstream evangelicals. Yeah, I think Furtick probably more so than Johnson. More than Johnson, yeah. But people love bethel's worship music like it's really popular Uh, i'm one of those people and that's actually the thing that i get hung up on the most is like if bethel's teaching this stuff can i not listen to their music because their music is (laughs) i've experienced god through their music and so i don't know what to do with that Hmm. 
Yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's another another thing I loved in this movie. Sorry, we can we'll get onto a more serious discussion in a second. But no, it's there good. was one guy. There was one guy who was like a former charismatic and like kind of word of faith guy. Who, Are you talking about Costi? No, Benny no, Hinn's no, nephew? not oh, uh, not Costi Hinn. He was there too, but yeah, Costi Hinn was in there. Who's Benny Hinn's nephew? Who is now like a reformed Baptist pastor, but. There was, he wasn't like a pastor nor it was a guy named David he had like the orange shirt uh and he he pointed out at one point there was a clip of of Bill Johnson talking about like like how many people here have received healing oh, in your yeah. vision this and is he's a classic literally meme. wearing <laughs> he's wearing glasses as he says that right it's just like oh wow that's that's something else man yeah that that's uh, like a, that's a typical i don't know if you've seen it as a meme but i've very much seen it as a meme of him like like making fun of him like oh if god heals everybody then why do you wear glasses like i've seen that so yeah. many times yeah that's pretty funny um i think but it, anyway it's funny yeah <laughs> so so overall assessment of the movie i think we kind of gave the picture of the prosperity gospel and what this movie presents as the biblical gospel i think one thing to add on to before we go into this is this movie does uh it is coming from a calvinistic perspective right and does emphasize the sovereignty of god and salvation as well so right. uh overall i just i would love to get some your initial thoughts like overall looking at the movie do you feel like you agree with it do you have anything you disagree with what are your thoughts all right so overall i like the movie okay. uh overall i would recommend the movie to other people um I'd be selective of who I recommend it to. I would recommend it to people who um, maybe, like, enjoy theology and stuff like that. Like, mm, actually, you know what? Maybe I take that back. I, I would recommend it to people um, even if, uh, you know, they were, like, you know, a new believer or seeker or something. Because um, even though I don't fully agree with, like, all the Calvinist stuff, I think that um, it's still worth showing other people because i'm not about pulling calvinism away from anybody um mm-hmm. because I, I mean it like it makes logical sense to me i just don't agree with it anywho yeah uh i like the movie sorry i got sidetracked in my own mind <laughs> you're good you're hearing you're me good. think through things out loud which i think is a, a beautiful thing about podcasting um, yeah anyway so i thought that was really i thought that was good um i really liked uh the emphasis um that they put on uh, the gospel, the clarifying some things. Um, I don't disagree with their presentation of the gospel. Um, yeah. I think, I guess where you and I might disagree, Andy, and I think it's just an emphasis thing again, which we've said a billion times. I think there might, there might be a little bit more to the gospel, um, or at least maybe actually thinking about it to salvation, not maybe the actual, maybe we're using the term gospel differently and we can talk about that later. Uh, okay. that, that's pretty much my like that would be a hang-up of mine and obviously some of the Calvinistic stuff is a hang-up of mine like with some of the yeah. sovereignty stuff some of the way they were talking about suffering um, although I yeah. appreciate the sentiment behind it I disagree with it um, but some stuff I mean that just I struggled with some of the Bethel stuff if I'm being vulnerable I struggled with some of the Bethel stuff I struggled with um, some of the just the evidence I guess if you want to call it that that they presented against like bill johnson uh i mean the thing with him and benny hinn like sitting in front of the church together and and hinn puts his arm around him and is like oh i love this man bill johnson he's so great like that hurt me (laughs) i guess because i like (laughs) i 
I enjoy Bethel's music, and I have listened yeah. to Bill Johnson preach, and his preaching is not like I think even you would hear it, Andy, and be like, okay, this is whatever. It's pretty normal. Um, I think he gets himself in trouble when he starts talking about some of the extra charismatic stuff. Um, well, and and they did. I mean, he does. I don't know his work super extensively, but at least in some of the stuff they were showing from him, I think in a book. To he veers into some sketchy right. at best Christ- Christology and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. And so, and I mean, I've read his books before, and there are some hangups I have with his books. But um, one thing, and I mean, this is a newer book that came out. But one thing that he did talk about was like, because he he goes on record to say things like, "Oh, I don't want to accept a theology that doesn't allow for healing," which healing is another thing the movie covers. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, they talk about, just to give context to what you were saying, too, they talk about uh, how the Word of Faith movement promises healing, and then they also share several stories of, like, Christians who have suffered and not received healing, right. and how, and from their perspective, and I would agree with them, how, how that's part of God's sovereign plan sure. uh, for the good of believers. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, continue. yeah. So, um but like he also, uh, he, I think he's kind of come come back around some of his newer stuff. Uh, he kind of, um, I guess, corrects that. Maybe he took the heat seriously that he was getting and said mm-hmm. that uh, we might not experience healing on this side of heaven, but ultimately healing is God's will for us all to be restored and redeemed, um, which I think is very different than saying God promises healing right here, right now. Right, yeah. But, yeah, that and that is different. I hadn't heard that quote, but that is definitely different. Yeah, that's in some of his newer stuff. I might be wrong about this, so don't take it as, like, a, a direct quote or something. But I Don't believe, take it as gospel. Don't take it as gospel. Yeah, I like it. But I believe in his book called God is Good, um, Greater Than You Think, or something like that. That's I yeah. think that's where he says that. I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but I that's – yeah, I, I've read that book. Anyway – uh, moving on from that, um, some of the healing stuff was interesting. Uh, I had a time in my life when I was really intrigued by Todd White, um, <laughs> but I never quite felt comfortable with it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you want to give it spiritual language, maybe that was the Holy Spirit um, guarding my heart. Um, yeah. I'm sure you would like that language, Andy. And I, I think I like that language, too. It's comfortable. I, li- I like it. Um, and so some of the stuff he was doing, like where they did that thing with the legs where he was just (laughs) literally tricking people, like doing a sleight of hand magic trick to people and saying it was the work of God. Like it makes my skin curl, like, or whatever, crawl, whatever the stupid saying is. (laughs) Literally the Todd White thing with the leg in like sixth grade, I kid you not, there were kids at my school who would like do this kind of like funny thing where they'd have you sit down. And they would like tap your shoulders and your back in a weird way and make it seem like they had just made one of your legs longer. Yeah. Like, the, and they weren't saying that they were doing like a miracle from God or something. They were just doing it to like mess with you. Like, literally, it's the exact same thing Todd White's doing. Right. And they were doing it in sixth grade. It, and it was just like a stupid manipulation trick. Right. Yeah, which is so, it's weird, man. Like, cause I don't. I don't get that sense from Todd, but yet again, maybe, maybe I do, or maybe, uh, like I said, the Holy Spirit is, was protecting me from something like that. Um, because like I have, and I mean, maybe we can talk about this or we might not have time. We could do a different episode on it, but like (laughs) some of the healing stuff, man, like messes with me because I've had experiences that I can't explain otherwise. And I don't think you probably wouldn't say, and maybe I'm wrong, but you, you wouldn't say that God 
doesn't heal people miraculously, right, yeah. right? I believe God can heal people and certainly does still. But I don't think that he promises healing in the way that a lot of these word of faith guys right, that it's going to happen if you try to cast faith. it. Yeah, right. Like it's not it's uh, the way I would put it is that whether or not God heals someone is up to his sovereign will. And it's part of his plan and purpose. And like whether he does or not is totally up to him and not like he, he doesn't like guarantee it to us if we have enough faith. And one of the things they even pointed out in I think it was in John five, like in the New Testament, Jesus literally heals someone who doesn't even know who he is. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was so, crazy. Costy points yeah, so, that out, actually. Benny Hinn's nephew. Yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not like it's about the faith you have. It's about how how God wants to accomplish His purpose. Yeah, I I was actually I was really excited when I saw Costy on the you know in the documentary uh, because yeah. I first encountered him. Um, actually, do you want to guess where I first encountered him? Oh gosh, I know it's on a podcast because I first encountered him yep, on a podcast too, but I can't remember my favorite what podcast. podcast. Oh, the the freaking British guy. No, nope, um, nope. it wasn't on. It's not unbelievable. Oh, one that you might not guess actually, the Bad Christian Podcast. Really, Costly came on there. Yeah, and they. I, I did not know that. His okay. interview with them was actually extremely good, and I know that huh. the Bad Christian guys get a bad rap. I think if people would actually listen to him, they would feel differently. Anyway. Yeah, that's where I first inter- in- encountered him, and he okay. um, he's extremely gracious, man. I mean, like, he obviously speaks out against his his uncle and his family and the things that they do, but he also is not, like, a jerk about it either. No, yeah. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have any hate for them. Right. He just is like, yeah, you guys are straight up wrong. <laughs> yeah. Cause, and some of the stuff, man, like, I mean, since we're on this with Costi, like, some of the stuff that he said, like, messed me up, dude. Like, he was talking about how they would do these big healing things. His job was he was a catcher. So for those of you who yeah. don't know, um, Benny Hen would do this thing and a lot of prosperity gospel pe- preachers do where he would like touch somebody and they would fall over. Um, yeah. And there, there's a word for that called slain in the spirit, which again, that could be a whole nother episode, <laughs> Andy, because I have thoughts about that, that I don't yeah. know if we'd agree on or not. Anyway. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, Costi would catch, um, would catch people when they fell over. And he was super rich, would get all this money, would stay in hotels that cost two, three thousand dollars a night, drove nice cars, everything. I think he said over twenty thousand dollars. Oh, that's a what night, it was. Actually. Twenty thousand. Yeah. yeah, there we go. I had my my decimal point in the wrong place. My comma. Yeah. But uh, anyway, <laughs> he was saying that, like, because obviously they would only quote unquote heal people on stage that had like sicknesses or something that weren't really visible. Yeah. Um, and so like he was saying people like mothers would literally come with their kids dying in their arms because they actually believe that Benny could heal their child and he couldn't, they wouldn't be let up on stage. They wouldn't be allowed (laughs) on stage because the people that went on stage would be screened by Benny's team. But also like so many acts, like sick people, dying people would come because they believed this wholeheartedly yeah, that God was going to heal their kid. And, and, and Costi was like, it wasn't hard for me to leave that. It was hard to live a lie. And like that yeah. messed me up. And he even, I mean, he said he even thought, I don't know if he said he actually asked him, but he was saying like the thoughts that he would have when he was a teenager is like, why can't we go heal like my friend who has cancer in right, high school? Like, right. why can't we go to a hospital? Like, why, why does it have to be on stage? Why do we have to have the music, all this stuff? 
which is, I mean, are valid questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's so, legit. So, yeah. So, um, any other thoughts just as, as you're kind of giving your overall assessment of the movie? Or um, I don't think so. I mean, I was surprised to see Todd White uh, align so blatantly with Kenneth Copeland. I did not know that. Um, which, like, even... I mean, he's... He's pretty much a straight-up prosperity preacher, as far as I know. Yeah, which, that just surprised me, because I, I I would say that I was introduced to Todd White at a time in my life when I was vulnerable. Um, okay. And w- maybe we can talk about what that means or what that looks like on a different episode. That goes really more into my story and my experience as a Christian, which might be yeah. a fun episode to do sometime. Uh, like, you yeah, and I talk about those kind of things. Um. But, like, I didn't – that just – that blew my mind because Kenneth Copeland is so obviously out there to me and, like, I don't – anyway, <laughs> that 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 was interesting to me. But um, the only thing – the thing that I had the biggest hang-up with was I had a really hard time how they were talking about uh, some of the suffering. Yeah. Um, because they would say that, like, God, uh, you know – uh, ordained it yeah ordained it or is the author of the suffering uh, for purposes that we don't understand i would just flip it and say that god uses our suffering to bring about good things god yeah. can redeem our god can and does redeem our suffering so i think i still have a healthy theology of suffering i wouldn't just say like you know throw it out loosey-goosey um yeah. i just look at it differently um but other than that that I mean, it was, I enjoyed it. I think that, that it was a a good thing. Okay. Good deal. And as far as the essential of, uh, the gospel, I know you said you, you kind of feel like maybe there's more to it. Like that's part of it, but there's more. Right. Um, I think where we would differ on that probably is I think what you would want to, maybe not everything. I mean, I don't know everything you're thinking of, but a lot of times I think where we might disagree is I think a lot of what you want to add or say is like also part of the gospel. I would maybe say are like, implications or benefits of the gospel right and i think that in my mind that's where yeah that's kind of a distinction that i've i kind of realized today actually thinking about it yeah and so that's where i mean that's where some disagreement can come up if we're if we're trying to define what is the gospel i would say like the core message of the gospel i think they got which is like the message of reconciliation to god through christ right um and then like there's a lot that comes with that of course but i think like you have to be careful not to add too much to like it because if everything becomes like the gospel, then you, nothing's really the gospel right, right, in a, in right, a way, exactly. you know. Um, but then also, I just wanted to say too, real quick on the suffering thing. I think obviously we would disagree here, and we've I'm sure we've touched on this in other episodes, like this kind of stuff. But um, when it comes to suffering, for me, when I see like the idea that God has ordained everything that comes to pass and that it's all part of his plan for good. Um, I mean, first of all, I would say I, I feel like that's obviously we'll disagree here. I feel like that's unavoidable in scripture because, you know, scripture talks about in, in Genesis, what you what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Right. The story uh, of with the story of Joseph. Uh, or in Acts 2 when it talks about that Jesus was delivered up to be crucified according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Um, Is that ESV? But, yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> I'm just making funny, man. I read that's, <laughs> anyway, that's actually my preferred Bible. I think I've said that before. <laughs> and he's not even Calvinist, so take note, guys. Uh, 
But but anyway, I think I think also there actually is a lot of beauty and comfort in knowing that it's ordained by God because I th- I think one of the things that we at least when I look at the idea of suffering that's not part of God's plan, um, to me that just comes across as then in essence there's like meaningless suffering. Like if God wasn't planning for it, then it's just like we're suffering for no reason and He's just making the best of it. Yeah. Whereas it, whereas if it's part of God's plan from the very beginning for good, uh, then there's a purpose behind all the suffering that we see, and so we can know that doesn't make it not suck sometimes, but we <laughs> can know that that it's actually for a reason and it's good, and it's not just like God's scrambling to try to make the best out of the situation. Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. And I, like I've said, I I fully understand the sentiment behind that. Yeah. Um, like I understand that it is it's comforting like and i i mean i even would i don't know if i would agree that to me it would be comforting like if something tragic happened that i would say oh god's in control it's okay i don't know if that would be fully comforting to me um Mm -hmm. but i get i fully 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 understand the sentiment behind it like a hundred percent i get it Um, yeah but i think that for me i can still have comfort in knowing that even if something happens arbitrarily that is evil and god's not didn't necessarily ordain it that he can take those evil situations and flip them and use them to bring glory to himself and can redeem my suffering can redeem the bad things that happened to me even if he didn't ordain them um i find comfort in that still if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and so i I know that's a difference that we hold but that's kind of how i would talk about it just out of curiosity, we totally don't have to dive deep on this, sure. but it's just on my mind, I think, because I was on that podcast, I was on Push the Narrative a while ago, and we were talking about, like, Hooray. God, God's omniscience, and Justin was saying that he doesn't believe God has foreknowledge and stuff like that, so I'm just, just curious, oh, do you believe Justin's that... Oh, Justin's an open theist. Yeah, pretty much, man. Okay. <laughs> um, do you believe that God has foreknowledge of everything that's going to happen? I'm just curious, because when it comes to suffering and stuff like does god know it's gonna happen or is it a surprise so to speak um that's actually a question that i don't have a solid answer on Um, okay i find i find dang it i find open (laughs) theism appealing for some logical issues that i have um but then like i teeter back and forth like i think the foreknowledge thing is cool but also i've heard like Things like God foreknows all the things that God can know. Um, I, I don't know, man. I really, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know where okay. where I fall on that, and I know that's not uh, an answer that people like to hear all the time. Is I don't know, um, but that's actually a question that I wrestle with uh, or pretty consistently. Yeah, and okay. I, I go Good back and forth. Yeah, there, there's um, some logical issues I have with that, and that also plays into. Uh, actually, maybe surprisingly, because I was talking about it earlier, plays into dun, 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 dun. Even, <laughs> even with some of my understanding of healing. Um, like I, and this is a whole other episode again, but like I get hung up sometimes. Like if God can heal people, and um, he and he does heal some people sometimes, and not everybody who needs healing, does that make God immoral? Like, why would God intervene sometimes and not always? Like, those kind of logical things are the things that I get hung up on sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it kind of plays into the same thing with God's foreknowledge. Okay. Interesting. So, sorry my answer is a non-answer, but that's just that's okay. That's I my just, answer. I just was curious because <laughs> I didn't 
I wasn't sure where you would land on that. So just good to, um, I'm sorry to hear that I didn't sway you in the push the narrative episode. Darn. No, I, um, <laughs> I thought you did a very good job in the push the narrative episode. I just, Aww. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's I have okay, a hard Josh. time it's sometimes, okay. man. And I think that's, I think I'm learning and maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. I think I'm learning that it's okay to say, I don't know. Um, totally. And that I'm kind of almost finding peace in that sometimes. And I think, and I think maybe we would disagree on this, but I think if I have a solid understanding of what it means that God has divine foreknowledge, and then I also have a solid understanding of what something like open theism might teach. Um, yeah. And I can't necessarily choose one. I think that's that there's something still to be said about, at least having the knowledge and understanding of both positions, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good not to pretend that you, like, believe or know something that you don't believe or you don't know. Like, it's better to be honest. Sure. So Yeah, and speaking so, speaking of honesty, just real quick, yeah. we talked about this before the episode, that I wanted to ask Uh-oh. this question. Um, and I... <laughs> And I don't want it. I don't want it to be so late that maybe people. I don't think people. Would, I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. Um, so this is a question that is me being completely vulnerable. Um, All right. And so, what this movie? One thing that this movie has made me think about, and one thing that, in general, reformed theology makes me think about and question. And this is something I've thought about many times. It's something that have actually kept me up at night. Um, yeah. With some of the logical conclusions within the reformed theology uh, because I don't hold some of the, the theological convictions and stuff that reformed theology does. My question yeah. is, does that mean I'm on the outside looking in, so to speak that, that is there a chance that because I don't have these theological views that I'm not actually quote saved because my understandings are different than those views expressed within reformed theology um yeah does that question make sense yeah that, that does make sense i mean i i don't know if i have like an amazing answer for you <laughs> i'm just gonna lay i'll lay down a couple of, so let me preface all of this with nothing that i'm about to say is me trying to judge your personal salvation sure. that's fair <laughs> first of all okay i'll lay down a couple like general thoughts okay uh which are so once again none of this is me saying anything specific about you that's because fair I don't feel comfortable judging any individual person's salvation. <laughs> right on. Um, okay, so first of all, the first premise I want to lay down is that uh, we're not saved by our theology. We're saved by faith in Christ. Right on. So, um, is it possible for someone with bad theology to be saved? Yes. Right on. Uh, now... On the other hand, I think that for that to happen, their faith has to actually contradict their professed theology. So I do think bad theology is still a danger and can lead people astray. Okay. So I, I don't want you to hear me saying, like, theology doesn't matter in this regard at all, because it does. Right. Um, I think that you're much more likely to be led astray and not have true faith in Christ if, uh, if you have a warped view of the gospel or a warped view of God. Okay. Um... So, so both of those things, so, so like, but, but I do want to say like, you don't have to have perfect reformed theology to be saved. Right on. Um, 
Like, you don't have to subscribe to the Westminster Confession to be a real Christian or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although you totally should. <laughs> uh, but but then also, on the other hand, I, I do want to say, I mean, I don't... So, it's, it seems like you're not even totally settled where you're at on this. I do think that there are certain boundaries, biblically speaking, that if you go beyond them, you're in extremely dangerous territory. Okay. Uh, which... Once again, I'm not saying it's impossible that someone would be saved, but I think it's not a good indicator of their spiritual state. Um, And so things like, I would say open theism is one of those things uh, where I think that if you are truly an open theist, I think that's not the God of the Bible. Okay. Um, And so when you get into territory of like a different God, I think that's dangerous. I mean, because there's... Like there's certain things that that are uh, are part of the gospel that you lose with open theism. I think, like essential aspects of the gospel, uh, such as like, um, God's redemptive plan, God's sovereign control, God's which even an Arminian or an Orthodox Arminian would affirm God's sovereignty in some sense. Sure, sovereignty um, over certain aspects of things that are necessary, like. God's they plan would affirm, for salvation. right, and they and they would have they would affirm that salvation is still all of God's grace. An Orthodox Arminian would, right? I would um, say that. I would, yeah, and so I would say like, I don't think that Arminians are being consistent when they like express Arminianism and say that salvation is all of God's grace. But I'm glad that they do <laughs> say that salvation is all of God's grace. Um, so there there are certain doctrines like open theism. I think is one of them. Um, or like a Pelagian view of salvation where we work our way to God, things like that. Yeah. Where I think if, if you wade into that territory, I think it's really dangerous. And I think you do, I think you are, when you're talking about like an open theist God, you're talking about a different God than the God of the Bible. Um, so those are my two, I guess, main premises is like salvation is not contingent upon theology, um, but also theology is really important and I think is a general indicator. Um, like if you're, I think if you wait into like a big heresy, I think that's generally not a good indicator for you spiritually. I'm not sure. saying it's like a 100% for sure sign that that person is like, doesn't have faith in Christ, but I think it's not a good sign. Yeah, that's fair. Um, oh, I had a follow up question. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember it now. Dang it. Uh, say something because I don't want it to be awkward and, silence. And I would, I would say also here. Let me add this on too. Yeah, yeah. I would say that that things that I would call sorry if this is offensive that I would call heresies such as open theism. I would say are outside of the scope of Christian orthodoxy, so they can't rightly be called Christian. Sure. Uh, so there's that too. Even regard, even outside of a judgment on salvation or whatever, I would say things like open theism, Pelagianism you know, Arianism or like, you know, like the Christological heresies that those guys in the, in the film were, uh, Mm. supporting. Like, I think all those kinds of things, any, like those major heresies, I don't think that theology can be called Christian in any true sense. That's fair. Um, and also I remembered my question. Um, since we, cause I mean, I, I rightly agree with you that theology is important and theology matters. Um, and this is something that, um, this is a question I might have actually asked you this before. I know I've asked other people before, and also Dan actually me- mentioned it briefly on the episode we did with him, 
on universalism. Okay. Somebody like Abraham, who didn't have clearly doesn't have the same kind of theology that we do, doesn't doesn't have a faith, doesn't believe in penal substitutionary atonement because Jesus didn't happen yet. Um, yep. However, his faith was attributed to him as righteousness. I think there's this distinction yeah. between faith and belief. Um, how do yeah. how do you kind of reconcile some of that? How would you reconcile that? Because I know so, you didn't really get to speak to it on the universalism episode. How would you reconcile that? Yeah, so I mean, especially looking at like Old Testament figures, or like for example, the thief on the cross, mm-hmm. uh, who Jesus said, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. I think there's this principle of. Uh, a seed faith where, I mean, Abraham obviously didn't have all the developed doctrine that we have now, but I think his faith, uh, what he believed in was substantially the same as what we believe in. Uh, but he was at a, I mean, for Abraham, he was at a different point in revelatory history. Right. So like God had not revealed everything that he, so I guess that's kind of a different case almost even like God hadn't revealed everything that he has now revealed. So Abraham, believed in the same core truth though the same core gospel to the extent that was possible with what had been revealed sure at the time um now if we want to talk about instances like the thief on the cross uh so so anyway i would say that abraham's faith and his belief weren't separate there he just didn't have the same revelation like the same fullness of revelation that we have now right on um now, the thief on the cross, another big example, I would say there's a principle of like a seed form faith. Okay. Uh, where I think if, obviously, the thief on the cross had just come to saving faith, and I think if he had continued to live, uh, his theology would have developed. He would have grown in his understanding. I think growing an understanding of God and of Christ and of the gospel is a natural part of growing in our sanctification, just like uh, growing in our good deeds is. Sure. Like growing, growing in our understanding of God is part of uh, the Christian life, and so I think I think that his faith was genuine, um, and he hadn't had time to learn all of all of like the theology and all that. But um, I don't think that faith is distinct from belief in the sense that it doesn't matter what he believed okay. when he put his faith in Christ. Okay. Uh, but you know, but he didn't have time obviously to develop a full theology. Sure. If that makes sense. No, yeah, that's good, man. So, um, and a spinoff question that I just thought of now, which I've actually never thought of before. Um, like, so from a, uh, that perspective, like a more reformed perspective that, that God fully, it, like we're elect, people are elect, uh, Christians are elect yeah. that we have, we don't make a, I don't, I mean, yeah. we do make a decision, but it's only because, because God gives God, us the grace to make that decision. Right, okay. So yeah. with that in mind. If somebody yeah. is fully professing in Christ and then their theology starts to to get off track, so to speak, to derail, how would yeah. you answer that? Um, like if, okay. for example, um, like if uh, – who's prominent? Like for some odd reason, John Piper um, became an open theist. Yeah. Was he so, never truly a Christian or is he just experimenting with theology that's sketchy? So again, I can't like I can't obviously make an individual judgment on anyone. Right, but right. I, here's what I'll say: generally, as a general principle, I would say just like uh, I would say just like falling into sin, uh, falling into like major heresy mm-hmm. is generally a sign of unbelief. Okay. Um, now, can true believers fall into serious sin? Yes. Can true believers fall into bad theology? 
Yes, but generally what we should expect is that those who ha are true believers uh, will grow in their understanding of God and will grow in their righteousness, will grow in their good works. Right on. Um, imperfectly for both. I'm not, I don't think I have a perfect understanding of God. I don't think I have perfect righteous, like perfect experiential righteousness and good works. Sure. Um, but I think what we, what the normative thing is for Christians is that you should be growing in your understanding of God and growing in, in your righteousness. Um, with, so, so yeah, so generally I would say falling into major heresy is a sign of unbelief, but not always like true believers can fall into bad theology and can fall into sin. Sure. And yeah, right on. That's where I would be, go with that. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thanks man. I know that kind of got us derailed from the specifically the movie. I think it still kind of falls into the same general concept, but yeah, I hope you don't, uh, I hope you don't feel like I like hate you now, Josh or something. Nah, man. I've like, I've said, <laughs> hopefully, I mean, maybe I haven't said it. And if I haven't, then I'll say it now. Like, Hopefully our listeners know that I like <laughs> that I don't think Andy hates me um, or anything like that, and I don't actually. Andy's probably uh, one of my favorite reformed people to speak to, uh, solely because of uh, how gracious he is, and I have not found that to be entirely true of <laughs> other reformed people I've come into contact with. Um, and that's a really general statement, and so hopefully that's not sound like a mean thing to say. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I appreciate and I love it. talking to Josh yeah. because Josh is willing to ask questions that a lot of <laughs> other people aren't. Yeah, well, I um, was told by Dr. Jace Broadhurst, a good friend oh. of ours, that I have, quote, a dangerous brain. And I still haven't really <laughs> uh, recovered or <laughs> fully understand what that means. Um, yeah. But I know Jace is like, I mean, Jace would probably call himself reformed. You might not agree that he's reformed, but <laughs> like that's that's an interesting conversation. I'd love to get Jace on here at some point. I would too. I mean, I don't really know Jace's theology well enough to make a judgment right now, but uh, he always joked that him and Pete were pastoring the wrong churches. That Pete should have switched to Jace's church, and Jace should have came in pastor Nielsville. Oh, P him and Pastor Pete. Pastor okay. Pete, yeah, for a sorry. second, I thought you were talking about Pete Enns because yeah, Jason's him a and Pete friend Enns. of Pete Enns. <laughs> he is. Right? Yeah, he, him and Pete Enns are actually really good friends. And I have somewhat of an opinion that maybe because I name-dropped Jace Broadhurst that that's how Pete agreed to come on the show. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can ask him on Saturday when yeah, we talk to we'll him. Yeah, we'll see. You know, you never know what's going to happen if you just ask, I guess. Yeah. But, uh. Anyway, any other closing thoughts? I mean, we're kind of at our time limit, I guess, now. So any other closing thoughts as we wrap this episode up? Nah, I mean, I would encourage people to go check this thing out. Um, yeah, I think it was totally. really good. Uh, I mean, even for people who would, you know, more so like me, fall into some disagreement um, with pro uh, some of the, you know, more reformed aspects of the film, I think overall it's worth watching. Um, if anything, just to inform you as to what the prosperity gospel is, how to... Uh, how to detect it or how to notice it, how to identify it and how to stay away from it. Um, and also how to, to preach. Um, I don't want to, I guess against it is the right word, but you know, how yeah. to help people uh, within that. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's really good. And yeah, go, go check it out. What well, one thing I want to add to is I don't, I mean, I don't know that we have any listeners who fall into this description, but if we have any listeners uh, who are 
in a prosperity gospel setting or like that's what you've been taught seriously feel free to contact us like yeah you can go on our website and contact us i would love to like if you want a conversation like contact us through the website and i'll even give you my phone number or something i'd love to talk to you um if you have questions or if you just want to talk more about that because that's a serious thing and i like one thing this movie reminded me of i guess is i like i would love to help people who have fallen into that get out of it because it really is damaging and there's some there's some i mean this i haven't i i have an idea that that we could do real quick but i don't want it to come off as like me being a dick because that's not my intention but there are i mean there's some prominent teachers out there like if you go to barnes and noble and look in the christian book section there are people that like legitimately are would lead you down this path and i think maybe naming some of those people could be totally helpful go for it not with the intent of shaming these people or being jerks or saying that we're better than them but just to give people fair warning a warning like yeah. i mean big ones that Which, come to mind like joel osteen um joyce mm-hmm. meyer td jakes creflo dollar benny hinn kenneth kenneth copeland um todd white todd white <laughs> uh some people now are saying bill johnson um, yeah, and Stephen Stephen Furtick, I would say is is at least prosperity gospel light. Yeah, I would I would avoid him. I mean, he's not quite on Kenneth Copeland level, but he he says some sketchy well, things. I'd avoid him and just in general. <laughs> and I'm yeah. pretty loose. I hate that word. I'm not loose. I'm pretty liberal with some of my theology, and I avoid Furtick. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, those are those are definitely some of the big ones. Uh. So yeah, I I I guess that's it for t- for today. Yeah. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't seen that movie American Gospel, go check it out because it's definitely worth your time. Um, and thanks for joining us. It's the first time in a while we did an episode just you and I, Josh. Yeah, it's so pretty good. I enjoyed it. Pretty pretty exciting. We're gonna have some guests on for at least the next few weeks, so it won't happen again in the near future. Yeah, we have some interviews uh, coming up on Friday yeah, we have, and on Saturday. We have some very exciting guests coming up. So uh, I mean, Josh mentioned one of them earlier, uh, and we have some other really exciting ones lined up and some other things in the works. So stay tuned. Uh, we have some cool stuff coming up. If you haven't uh, checked out our Facebook discussion group yet, please do. Uh, which is, Please do. I mean, it's still getting off the ground. I'll be honest. It's not massive or anything yet. It's still getting off the ground. But you could help it get off the ground by joining and participating in it. So uh, if you go on Facebook and look up Theology Doesn't Suck discussion group, you'll find it. And you can request to join, and we will let you join. Um, So then, I mean, we post questions about the episodes, and and sometimes just other, like, theology questions. So we... It's just a great place to discuss, and uh, we hope we're hoping that it will kind of turn into a community for listeners of the podcast. Yes, to, absolutely. Uh, to to have the same kind of discussions that Josh and I try to have on the podcast, where we can respectfully engage with people who hold other views. Um, also, of course, we have Instagram. If you're not following us on there, it's at, at theology doesn't suck. We have a Twitter now too. I think we mentioned that last episode, but Twitter. Uh, I. I'm still figuring out exactly how we're going to use our Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> but we have one. Yeah, it's it's hard because we can't present a united front and, like, say a lot of, like, make a lot of statements on things. Right, it's difficult. Because, <laughs> because we disagree. But we have a Twitter, so if you want to follow us on there, I think we have, like, 14 followers right now, so that's pretty exciting. We just have to balance uh, it. We have to say opinionated things from various perspectives. <laughs> I yeah, have no idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll just start like 
ending our tweets with like our name, like whoever tweeted it at the end. That way people know. Hashtag love Andy. Uh, yeah, or something like that. Um, so we have a Twitter too now, so follow us on there. And uh, like I mentioned before, you can contact us through our website. Our website is theologyisn'tsuck.com. Uh, we have a contact us form. You can reach us with questions, comments, uh, corrections, suggestions for episodes, whatever you want. Um, and you can also look at past episodes and uh, stuff like that. So any other thoughts, Josh? I mean, aside from my obvious yeah, go caps, I don't know. They won yeah. tonight, 4-1, to well, one, all right, so well, that's a good thing. Thanks for joining us, and we will... We'll see you all next week. Go Caps.